0: today on CityCast Philly. In Pennsylvania, public school teachers can't legally wear religious garb while working. We're the only state that still has such a ban. But could it change this year? It's Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Aubrey Juhas, your WHYY's education reporter. First things first, I mean, this sounds so ridiculous. What exactly is this ban?
1: Sure. So it's referred to as a GARP ban. And what the law does is it prohibits public school teachers from wearing anything that shows they're a member of a particular faith. About two dozen states once had bans like these, but like you said, today Pennsylvania is the only one that still has a law on the books. And you use the word ridiculous to describe the ban. And I think I think that's a you know, pretty good word choice there. Because I talk to a lot of people who say it feels kind of silly to have this law in the books when it's obvious that it isn't being enforced. If you walk into any public school, odds are you'll see teachers wearing things that violate the law, like a cross or a Star of David or a yarmulke or a hijab.
0: Interesting. OK, so if a teacher is found to have worn any of those items, what are the consequences?
1: Yeah. So so technically, they are breaking the law. And if they're violating the ban once, they can be suspended for a year. If they break mm-hmm. the law again, they can be permanently disqualified from teaching at that specific school. And there are consequences for school leaders, too. The law says if a school director decides not to enforce the ban, they can be found guilty of a misdemeanor and eventually removed from their position. But I want to be clear that throughout my reporting, I didn't come across any recent examples of the law being enforced. And when I asked experts about this, they pointed me to this federal court ruling in 2003 that found Pennsylvania's ban is likely unconstitutional under the First Amendment.
0: Were people worried that teachers would express their religious views onto students?
1: Yeah, so I think that is what people think of right now when they look at this law. But interestingly enough, when I looked back, that really isn't where this law came from. Okay, so where did it come from? Yeah, yeah. So it comes way, way back. We're going to go all the way back to 1895. And at that time, one of the dominant facts in American life was anti-Catholicism. So I spoke with Philip Jenkins, a professor of history at Baylor University in Texas. and, And he told me it was really this mass movement of Protestants called the American Protective Association or APA that was the driving force behind this garb law. And essentially, you know, they were really worried that Catholics were going to take over the country. So they passed all of these laws separating church and state. And Mm -hmm. it was less of a focus on, you know, separating church and state and more of a focus on just trying to keep Catholics out of institutions. And one of the institutions they were really, really focused on were the public schools. And so Pennsylvania
0: was one of the first states to bar public school teachers from wearing any kind of
1: religious garb, right? Correct. Yeah. Many states didn't pass these laws until the 1920s and the 1930s, until the APA had mostly disappeared and the Ku Klux Klan was kind of leading the anti-Catholic push at that point. Um, but a lot of these later states actually look at Pennsylvania's law and cite it as a model that they're following themselves.
0: So as you mentioned, this law has been on the books for more than a
1: century. Aubrey, have
0: teachers actually lost their jobs because of this?
1: Yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of recent examples. We know that over the history of this law, an untold number of teachers have lost their jobs, um, either because, you know, the law has been presented to them and been enforced or because they've been aware of the law and felt that as a result, public education wasn't a place for them to be. So we know that teachers have had to choose between their career and their faith. There are documented cases early on of Catholic women, the, you know, the proposed target of this law, losing their teaching positions. And the law also impacted teachers of other faiths. You know, the first teacher to challenge the law in 1908 was a Mennonite named Lillian Rizzer. Uh, the judge initially ruled in her favor and declared the ban unconstitutional under the state's constitution but then the higher courts overruled the decision. Um, and then most recently, we can point to this example of a Muslim teacher In the 1980s in Philadelphia, who was denied substitute work at three separate schools because she wore a hijab, and ultimately the courts, you know, upheld the law in that case as well. So,
0: who's bringing this back up? Um, Who's raising these concerns again? Is it teachers or is it lawmakers?
1: Yeah, so we're having this conversation again because of lawmakers, because there are lawmakers who see this law on the books and, and say kind of what you said at the top. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, we know that, you know, with the First Amendment protections, we have teachers in every school across the country, you know, who are wearing things in line with their faith. So why does Pennsylvania have this archaic law on the books that could potentially be abused, right? Um, so the conversation has been about removing it. And I think as people talk about it and awareness comes up that this has been on the books for such a long time, people are talking about what it has meant over time. And, and what it has meant is that it's been, you know, sporadically and subjectively enforced. And we've seen teachers of particular faiths at particular points in time lose their livelihood or feel that they didn't have a place in public education because of this policy.
0: Aubrey, you actually talked to a Philly math teacher who's concerned about this law currently. And um, what does she tell you about her experience?
1: Yeah. So interestingly enough, like, when I connected with her, she just like had this flashback to being a little kid. She was 8 or 9 years old, and her mom was a teacher in Philadelphia public schools. So this was in the early 1990s. And she remembers quite vividly her mom coming home from school one day and telling her and her siblings that she could possibly be losing her job. And her mom was a devout Muslim. She was someone you know who wore a hijab and modest dress to school and what i learned when i looked into this story is that at this point in time you know that substitute teacher this muslim substitute teacher in in philadelphia public schools had brought this this case it had been upheld so there was kind of this anxiety as teachers and principals were were kind of looking and saying like wait a second do we have to do we have to enforce this policy as well so for hadira abdullah aziz her her mother's principal went to her and said You know, I don't know what to do. Do I need to make you stop wearing your hijab to school? Like the principal was honestly confused and upset. And her mother, a freedom fighter in Black Panther, responded by telling him, you know, my faith is non-negotiable. I'm going to teach in full garb or you're going to have to let me go. And ultimately, the principal chose not to enforce the law. And Abdullah Aziz's mother kept her job. But she says the ban just just wouldn't leave her mind. And all of her career, it it just loomed like in the atmosphere that
0: there will always be multiple reasons why you could get let go, and this is one of them. A federal court ruled that this law is probably unconstitutional 20 years ago. So how can you still have a ruling like that and still have this law on the books.
1: Yeah, essentially, it's because no one has challenged it since then. Right. So we have that language that it's it's likely unconstitutional, but they didn't come out and say that it is unconstitutional. So that's why it's up to the state legislature to take it off the books. And it's something that they've been trying to do. But essentially, because they have, you know, so many other things to do in any given session. It hasn't risen to the level of importance for them to actually repeal the law. But it does have some bipartisan
0: support. um, And that doesn't really happen a lot, you know, often these days. But how likely is Pennsylvania going to finally throw out this law if lawmakers do bring this to um, session?
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell. I think if it was scheduled for a vote, the expectation is that it would pass, but it, 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 there's been challenges in terms of getting it on the calendar. So the state senators who are sponsoring the bill, Republican Kristen Phillips Hill and Democrat Judy Schwank, they've tried twice already. They've gone through this process before. It's passed in the state Senate, but it has never made it to the state house for a vote. And they're going through this cycle again right now. They reintroduced their bill in early January, the Senate passed it unanimously, and now they're just kind of in a holding pattern. And like I said, like the expectation is that if they can get it scheduled, it'll pass. But, you know, it's just a matter of waiting to see if it if it gets on the calendar.
0: Now, why would something that has support not get scheduled for a vote?
1: Yeah, I think it's because this idea that because it's likely unconstitutional, it doesn't pose an active threat. So folks just feel like maybe it isn't important to go through the process of finally taking it out of the school code. But what you'll hear, you know, what I heard from legislators is it's just embarrassing that Pennsylvania still has this on the books that it reflects poorly on the state. So there is this push and this desire to take it off. And and going back to the the teacher that I was that I spoke to, talked about her mother's experience, Abdullah Aziz. She says that, you know, while she personally hasn't been impacted by the ban because she herself has worked as an educator. She feels like it needs to be lifted because it does pose an ongoing threat to teachers that you could have a school principal or a school administrator who decides they want to enforce this policy. And then, you know, a teacher would essentially get swept up in, in having to go to court and and being really tied up in kind of like a legal quagmire.
0: If this law did get thrown out, would there still be some limits on what public school teachers can wear? Is there any kind of religious clothing that might cross the line?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I spoke with David Calloway, this religious freedom specialist, and he he told me that you know ultimately schools have this responsibility to make sure they're protecting the rights of students. So while teachers do bring their First Amendment rights with them into the classroom, at a certain point they start bumping up against the Establishment Clause, which says that because teachers are government employees. They cannot be perceived to be endorsing a certain religion. So you wouldn't want students to think, oh, because their teacher is Muslim or Jewish, then, you know, students should be Muslim and Jewish as well. It's like this idea that you don't want people to think that they can't have their own choices around religion uh, based on the faith of their teacher. So while most states are fine with allowing teachers to wear religious jewelry or garb, things that are seen as personal, um, a teacher wouldn't be allowed to wear a message that's essentially proselytizing to students, like a T-shirt that says Jesus saves across the front of it.
0: This is really interesting. Aubrey Uhas, <laughs> education reporter for WHYY. Thanks so much for enlightening me on this story and for joining me on Cast Philly. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We'll have a link to Aubrey's full story in our show notes. And here's what else Philly's talking about. A West Oak Lane mosque was vandalized on Friday around midnight. According to the Inquirer, security cameras near Masjidullah Center for Human Excellence captured a suspect spray painting the words Jesus Christ and other symbols on the mosque. Officials are investigating. This is the second time the mosque has been vandalized in recent years and Sept is getting 130 new trolleys. According to Philly Voice, the renderings of the trolleys include lower floors, wider pathways, and space for riders with disabilities and those that have bikes and strollers. The first run of trolley cars are expected in 2027. It's time for Philly's tip of the day, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. If you're a SEPTA key card holder, don't forget that your card gets you discounts on all sorts of things like pizza, coffee and museums, bookstores and more. On Tuesdays, just flash your Septa key card at Dunkin' for a medium hot or iced coffee for $1. If you have a tip of the day, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you enjoyed this episode, why not tell a friend, rate this show, leave us a review, and hit that subscribe button. Be sure to sign up for our morning newsletter too. It's called, Hey Philly. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, bye.